Welcome to the Rider Up Podcast, presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge, America's East Coast mountain biking capital, where we talk about how much we love bicycles. Dan's a crazy downhiller, and John will be walking with a cane in a few years. But nobody loves cycling more than these two. Coming to you from Virginia's Blue Ridge, let's meet the hosts, Dan Lucas and John Carlin. Hi, welcome to the Rider Up podcast presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge. I am one of the two hosts, and my name is John Carlin. My name is Dan Lucas. I'm the other host of the Rider Up podcast, and I am excited about the show today. You are. And uh, we have an awesome guest with us today. We really do. So we're here at Cardinal Bicycle in Grandin Village in Roanoke, which is the heart of Virginia's Blue Ridge, where we have awesome riding. We're an Imba Silver Uh, mountain bike center and we have put a stake in the ground as america's east coast mountain bike capital and uh, there's just all kinds of credibility for the region and reasons to ride here in the region and and cardinal is this really cool bike shop here in grand village but the coolest the coolest right (laughs) so abby snyder works here at the shop but um abby first of all welcome to the podcast thank you and you are let's let's tell everybody your cycling resume. You're you're a World Cup caliber mountain biker. I try to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. And so so I don't you don't want to brag. You don't want to say it's all all about you. But Dan and I want to say it's all. We want people to know who they are listening to. So can you just talk a little bit about your like your racing resume? Sure. Um, I've been racing mountain bikes for about five years now, and mostly focus on marathon distance racing which means that i'm usually out there for three four five six plus hours too many hours way too long (laughs) usually way too long racing um but last year i did get the opportunity to race cross country which is a much shorter format race at the uci world cup at snowshoe which was a very cool opportunity yeah holy cow and you're racing in the top women's field there yes and was that uh tell us about that experience it was well first of all it was really muddy so i've seen the video (laughs) people who race at snowshoe say that's what snowshoe is that Um, that was that was as a guy who rides a snowshoe that was real snowshoe and i'm finally glad a world cup i'm sorry for you but i appreciate that the world cup finally had that opportunity to race in snowshoe mud so much mud and so many rocks Uh um so showing up a few days before the race to pre-ride the course and practice it was super intimidating um there were it was just very technical trails more so than I'm used to and very muddy um, but it was kind of cool to realize that I wasn't the only one who was intimidated so some of these world-class athletes were standing right there on the side of the trail with me looking at the rocks and looking at the mud and talking about like where do we think we should ride how do we get down this um, and that was probably the most like striking to me because I tend to be of the opinion that everyone else isn't scared of this but I'm scared of this and I, I was going to say, like, I, I was up there um, at the race. I, I've watched practice and stuff. And you see the likes of Kate Courtney, who is a household name in the cycling industry, or Yolanda Neff, or any of these, you know, you're talking the top one to three percent of the field. And they do the same thing. Like, they're standing beside Abby looking down the same chute. Like, you know, do you have any ideas on this? Because I don't have any ideas <laughs> on this. And if um, 
anybody out there listening has been to Snowshoe and, and seen the trails, you'll know what I'm talking about. There are, it is, it is not just some roots on the trail. There's yeah. like a carpet of roots and they're all, it's like a bunch of snakes laying on top of each other and they're slick and they're really intimidating in that it's not just a gentle slope. It, there <laughs> is like, you have to do a, you know, you pick up the front and then you got to pick your rear wheel up and then place that down before the next turn or there's a tree in the way. Like it's just super technical. It's so technical. It's hard to get through, especially on audio. But that's me sticking up for Abby because she's not making it sound as, as scary as it is. It was very scary. I wouldn't ride down a cross country <laughs> bike on that. <laughs> oh, but then and then you're racing against all the top women in the world. Yeah. You were talking about Europe and, 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 and mm. everywhere. It's, how do you even qualify to get into that race? So I actually qualified as an alternate and USA Cycling has a system for which if you don't qualify of your own merits, meaning you haven't done enough UCI races to get the number of points needed to register on your own, that if this UCI race is in your home country, so in the US, that say I have 10 points instead of 30 points, I can apply as an alternate and they'll, they'll accept a given number of riders each year to race with the Stars and Stripes jerseys instead of like a team kit and you still get to participate. Gotcha. Because you're, you're not on a team. You're, you're just doing all of this solo. Team Cardinal. Correct. <laughs> no, she, no, Ab, you are on a team. It's Rad Fierce. But it's my own team. It's, it's your, your own it's team. Your yeah. That's okay. Privateer. It's, it's not like uh, it's not like a major bicycle company is sponsoring yeah. you, and that you have all the. I mean, so you're funding this yourself, or maybe with some help from a bike shop. But you're still very much a local rider doing this on her own, who's good enough to participate at a world level. Yeah, the the new new segment bike lingo. Privateer. Ash, uh, uh, Abby is a privateer. A privateer. And privateer meaning. She is fully kind of self-funding, self, like doing all the things that a team would do, but just herself. So there's privateers in every segment of the sport. Um, Abby is number one privateer here around here. Well, we are, we are very impressed. Yeah. Very Absolutely. impressed. So, okay. So now we want to ask you some, some training questions, right? So uh, right now it is March 2023 here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. The trees are blooming. Cycling season is just getting under, underway for those of us who are sort of like, we're not, I'm not going to go out and ride in the worst weather or the coldest weather, but we're getting to the point where we're looking forward to nice weekends and, and very soon we'll be out there trying to beat our buddies to the stop sign. <clears throat> or or uh, cause I ride on the road. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't so, understand so, for a yeah. second. <laughs> like, there's no stop signs on the trails, John. This sure right? isn't. <laughs> right. Okay. So we're trying to get or, or to the top of the climb or whatever. Right, yeah. So, so if you're, if you're a cyclist and it's the first quarter of the year, how, how are you training? What are you going through? What are you doing? What are you focusing on? So a lot of my training for the first portion of the year is what we call like base season training. So it's a lot of the aerobic fitness where, I am not doing really hard efforts, um, but kind of that long, steady work for, for the majority of my training. Um, so it might mean that on weekends I go out for a four or five hour ride. Um, I might push a little bit hard on the climbs, but then I'll come back down into kind of that endurance level training mm. and keep it there most of the time. So your heart rate is at what percent of your max when you're doing this kind of a ride? 
You're asking math questions. <laughs> math questions. Not, I, I don't <laughs> want to do that. Well, let's say let's say your your max heart rate is what 180, 190. Yeah, right in, in there. That range. Mm-hmm. Okay, so probably a little higher than the average person's. I don't know. I, I don't know about I don't that. Know. I know my yeah my max is right around 190. Okay, and 190. So that like most of the riding I'm doing this time of year ranges from like 140 to 160. So that's still up there. It's a pretty good range, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I'm not really spending much time above that. So not in those like really hard, fast, short efforts that might define race efforts Mm -hmm. um, later in the year. And you're riding a mountain bike or a road bike or a gravel bike. What are you doing to get your four or five hours in? What day are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That depends on the day. Um, And it depends on the training ride. So I'll look at the, like the workout that my coach gives me. And a lot of times I'll kind of decide like what terrain suits that workout best and then pick the bike from there. Um, Also, depending on which bike I have currently working, because I tend Mm. to... I tend to w- work through my bikes frequently. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, if she, we know when Abby's been riding a bike a lot because she walks into the service department and is like, "Hey guys, <laughs> can help, I can please. I get some help?" Is she tough <laughs> on her equipment? Uh, yeah, you know she takes care of her equipment, but um, anybody who is racing at a high level is going to get stuff knocked out of whack a lot faster than the average rider, sure. I would say. So, sure. um, so we see plenty of Abby, but, yeah. uh, you know, that's okay. Um, uh, Abby always is like a special shout out to Kyle. He's like been Abby's, uh, he, he, he takes special care to make sure it's always uh, tip top when she does a race and stuff like that. So shout awesome. out to Kyle in the service department. In the service department yeah. at, at Cardinal. So, all right. So we're talking with Abby Snyder, who basically you just, you sell bikes, right? You're out on the floor and you're, you're helping people choose the right bicycle for their life. Uh, so that's your job. But uh, we're talking to you in your capacity as a uh, World Cup caliber rider. And we're talking training. Yeah. So, so you go, so everybody who's like the average person, they should be looking at their base. So they should be riding below, well below their max heart rate, but still, I would call that a tempo ride, Yeah, Mm -hmm. like endurance into tempo for sure is where I spend most of my time. Okay. And then when will you amp that up for race season? So I've actually already started my race season this year. So last weekend was the first race of the season. And so a couple weeks ago, we started working in a few workouts here and there that pushed above that just to get me used to going hard. Um, cause if the first time you go really hard is during a race, it's going to hurt extra. Um, it always hurts, but it's, it's going to hurt more if you're surprised by it. So, um, yeah, this, I mean, at this point I'm starting to work in once or twice a week, um, shorter efforts, harder efforts, um, kind of mixing that in, but the, the base, the endurance and the tempo, that's going to still be a huge percentage of my training probably all the way through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, what race this year are you looking forward to the most like what's the one uh, it might not be the one you think you're going to do the best at but what's (laughs) the one you're looking forward to the most can i pick two sure yeah (laughs) absolutely no rules um so one of them is the transylvania mountain bike epic um, which is a five-day stage race up in state college area pennsylvania and that's a race that i've heard about and kind of watched from afar for a number of years and finally get the opportunity to go race so i'm super excited about that 
And then this year, the U.S. is actually hosting the first marathon distance World Cup race mm-hmm. in I don't know how many years. And that's supposed to be at Snowshoe um, simultaneous to the cross-country race in October or end of September. End of September, yeah. And I'm very excited to hopefully get an opportunity to race that. Is that going to be with the rest of the UCI events as well? Yeah, they're okay. all the same weekend. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. All right, so you're looking forward to those, and when so when you talk about the marathon distance, what what distance is that? The distance actually varies; it's more based <coughs> on time. Mm-hmm. So when the UCI defines it, I believe cross country is usually like an hour and a half to two hours, um, and that's what they expect from like the top finishers. And then marathon is longer than two and a half hours, I believe, wow. up to about four. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> at race it, pace, yeah, at are some you, kind of race pace. Well, are you and <coughs> are you running at the same on the same course as cross country? Do you know? Usually not. Okay. Usually it's like a big loop that you might do one or two laps on, okay. whereas the cross country race is super short and you yeah. usually do like seven, eight, nine laps. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. cool. Um, how many races do you plan on attending this year? Yeah, we've talked about your favorites. uh, I'm counting on my fingers. While Uh while she's counting, too, Abby is um, the other half of the skills department here uh, with myself. Um, So we we have a brand-new skills program we just launched, a beginner kind of to advanced. We do personal uh, or, sorry, private lessons as well. And uh, so when we're making this schedule, <laughs> I'm laughing. This is why I'm saying this is because Abby's like, mm, that weekend won't work. I have a race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. And some, some there's like some months and it's literally there's only one weekend. I'm like, well, that's the one we're doing because <laughs> okay. we need you. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to have somebody out there showing people but, how to ride their bike. But who else to show them than <clears throat> like somebody who's literally doing this as, you know, like part of, I mean, uh, I'll call it a job. Like it's basically uh, your second full-time job. Uh, racing is not easy. You gotta, I mean, it's literally every day you're doing something about it. Like you're either training or planning or mentally preparing or buying mm-hmm. something or mm-hmm. working on your bike. So yeah. Do you lift weights? I do. Yeah. yeah. What do you do? Um, I work with a, um, strength and conditioning coach out of California actually called ever athlete. And so I'm in the gym right now about four days a week, um, doing either strength or mobility or stability or core workouts. Wow. Core is so important. And it's so no fun. (laughs) (laughs) Core workouts are are just, I I hate them. So are you you doing like squats? I mean, what is it that gives you the legs to get that power? Yeah, um, we do some (laughs) squats, deadlifts. Um, A lot of what I do, though, is really like focused on stability and mobility. So injury prevention is really what that is. So it does Mm -hmm. build strength, but it also keeps me stable on the bike or in the unfortunate event that I come off the bike, hopefully prevents me from being injured. Wow. Okay. So how did you do in this first race of the season? I won, which oh, was super exciting. I didn't <laughs> even know that. That's how we're starting off. <clears throat> Congrats. Starting strong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where was it? It was in Uari Forest, North Carolina. So a couple hours from here and a two-day event, um, which was my first kind of venture into that world of stage racing. Um, and it's super fun course and I might go back to that one next year. I really I enjoyed it. I believe you should. <laughs> I've been awesome. to I've been to URI, but uh, there's an off-road park there, and uh, I did. There was there a bunch of jeeps and stuff. Not yeah. where we there, were. No. Th- there's a URI off-road park, and that was the only thing I remember. Is we went and watched a bunch of jeeps drive around. <laughs> <laughs> there was no mountain biking at that point in time. There, so. Sort of like hill climbs and that. Yeah, kind of it yeah. was. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I watched a jeep. 
the guy in a Jeep, um, he got mad because it, <laughs> something broke and he just floored the the engine until it popped. Like it was the, one of the craziest things. My, one of my closest friends, Jake, I hope you're listening, Jake, because that was a, one of the best memories <laughs> standing <laughs> beside you watching this Jeep blow up. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> That's a really the, good aside. It was great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is like has nothing to do with Abby or training, but it was right. a fu- it was a fun story. Anyway, cool. Um, so uh, I also wanted to say, like, I know I know Abby well. Um, we work together, and uh, something that I think is pretty cool is you you weren't you're not from here. You're from somewhere else. You came here, and this is the place you chose to make your training center. Right. Um, I moved here from Indiana. And the reason I moved here is for the mountain biking. Um, Indiana is not known for its mountain biking or hills. Um, though <laughs> we do say. have some, we do have some really good trails um, <clears throat> in the Midwest. Um, but I felt like I needed more access to elevation and more technical trails and just more trails in general. And Roanoke is where I chose. Yeah, lots of rocks and roots here for sure. Yep. So, um, and Abby and I were out recently with a buddy of mine, Zach, that works here as well. And we rode a trail called Royalty here in Virginia's Blue Ridges over at Carvin's Cove. And it's fantastic. I think we should probably just listen to it right now. Hey, everybody. What's going on? My name is Dan uh, from the Rider Up podcast. And today I am here at one of my favorite trails, Royalty. Now, uh, this is a sweet downhill trail. It has a little bit of everything, chunky rocks, uh, some doubles. Really fun descents, big catch berms, a little bit of everything. And I am joined by two of my good friends right back here, Abby and Zach. And they're going to come along for the ride. So I'm going to do my best to narrate, and we're going to get going right now. All right, everybody. So we're going to start off. You can go right or left. We're going to go left. Big little, or a a big kicker right here. Into a... Shoot, you gotta be careful of the roots. They are treacherous, especially when wet. Another long straightaway. And we gotta slow it down. Whoa! Little off camera section. A little out of shape there, but not too bad. Kind of going to this chute. There's a number of lines into this kind of chunky, loose corner. Get a pedal stroke or two in and go for the big jump. Whew. Now we got a little kicker into a nice little catch curve. Zach's uh, leading the way, showing us all the good lines. Slows down again here. Careful on the corners, inside or outside, your choice. I think inside's a better line. <laughs> Fun little berms. The dirt is phenomenal today. We are uh, February 26th. Nice 40-ish degree day. Can't beat it. Had a little bit of rain, so the dirt is nice and tacky. You got to be careful when this trail is loose because it will let go when you least expect it. Now we're coming into some fun kind of bike park turns. That goes inside, I'm gonna go outside. Same deal here, whoa! <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit of some, some rain ruts we need to fix there. All right, coming in to the open. 
It's gonna get fast here real quick, but before that, we got a big old double. Into the, into the roots. Real fast rooting section. Now this is where the trail slows up a little bit. Got a couple more short steep pitches, but we're gonna come into a trail intersection. And there's some phenomenal little rollers here to keep your speed. So use those to your advantage. Whoa! Don't clip a tree if you're trying to Zoom around those guys. Alright. Now we're almost at the intersection. Just gotta be as smooth as you can over these roots. And in the finish out royalty, you kinda do a little trail intersection, hit the bottom of uh another small trail. You still got these great rollers to maintain speed. You can kind of play the game. Do I need to pedal? But uh, pretty fun. It's not nearly as steep. It's a nice little flat bit, but uh, still a great little section of trail. Gets fast to the end. Kind of stop at that trail intersection and shake your hands out if you need to and High five your buddies. It's always a good spot. Now we're gonna come to the bottom of the, the mountain, Brushy Mountain, onto another fire road with a climb up. And then we're gonna get to descend another one of my favorite trails, Buck, so watch out for that video soon. The trail tightens up. Zach stays down. I go high. Oh! Alright, here we are. The bottom of the mountain. Whew. Good stuff. Once again, this is Dan, one of your hosts of the Rider Up podcast. Thanks for riding along. And if that didn't sound fun, then I don't know what would be. <laughs> really? really? I like, I, um, I almost hit a tree at one point in that video, um, or, or audio, whatever you're going to hear. And, uh, but it was phenomenal. Um, as far as like, you know, you're in the Midwest coming from a flat place and then coming here and riding a trail like that. Like, what do you think about the trails here? You know, royalty is a great one to, to, to go. Yeah. On. I want to hear about royalty in particular. So I enjoy like the downhill trails like royalty. I do not ride them at the same speed that Dan and Zach <laughs> ride them at. So my experience on that particular ride was chasing, um, which to me is super fun. Like, and it makes me a better rider to ride with someone who's faster than me. Um, and that just kind of pushes the edges a little bit more. Yep. So. And so there's lots of jumps and berms and uh, some, some tight sections. So 
you know, I mean, are you comfortable being airborne and that type of thing? In some circumstances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like on royalty in particular. Yeah, I don't I don't like jumps with gaps in between particularly well. <laughs> so most, <if> people, <laughs> most people don't. Right. Most yeah. normal people don't. Yeah, because if you miss, you miss bad. You miss like, bad, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, but you enjoyed, you enjoyed going down the hill with yeah, those two Yeah, yeah. And I will say, too, <clears throat> like, one of the first times that I visited here before I moved here, we went to Carvin's Cove and I rode Buck. That was actually one mm-hmm. of the first trails that I rode. And so trails like that is what convinced me to it, move here. Buck, mm-hmm. Buck uh, that video and audio will be up soon i'm gonna forward that to john to edit and uh that is one of the oldest i believe it's like a ccc trail um but oldest and just it's such a good trail so i'm really happy you rode that one first because it's still one of my i think if if you're thinking of an all around the best like up and down buck is going to be hard to beat you know royalty downhill only it's so good but buck as a up and down it's just that trail is fantastic Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody, go try buck. It's it's great. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a heavy emphasis on be careful. All right. Well, Abby, listen. We really want to thank you for joining us, sharing some of your training tips. We'd like to have you come back and and talk like like specifically about a core workout or a yeah. leg workout or something that that people could actually apply to their daily lives. We should do that, and we should get her. You know, maybe post uh, some of these races and get a uh, a privateer check in and let her. Yeah, give us the update on on the season. We will find whatever links we can find. Yeah, for for Abby, and we'll put those in the show notes so that, so the folks can follow you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Once again, you're listening to the Rider Up podcast presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge. We are in the western half of the state of Virginia, nestled in the mountains, America's East Coast mountain biking capital, and Imba Silver Ride Center, and all kinds of other great things that happen here, cycling wise in Virginia's Blue Ridge. John Carlin with Dan Lucas. And Dan, it is tool time. You're a bike mechanic, and you are holding a very expensive hammer. I'm holding a very cheap hammer hammer and a very expensive hammer. I mean, like a titanium hammer. Yeah, so so I brought hammers because hammers are important. And you usually don't think, wow, I want to whack my bike with a hammer like that is not fun but there's things that you have to use hammers for so you're taking your bottom bracket apart there's a a spindle it's a steel spindle typically that's sticking through sometimes those need a a little persuasion persuasion yeah Yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, bikes uh, the fork doesn't want to come out of the head tube it needs a little persuasion so um, there's a number of things uh, that you're going to have to hit with something like this I like to joke um, this this hammer is a titanium hammer um, it was made by my friend Zach at Acoustic Cycles. Okay. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. Um, it is anodized purple. You'll see in the gorgeous. photos. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, and I love it. And I joke that um, I will not hit anything that costs less than $2,000 with this hammer. All right. So on one side, it's got a screw-on attachment that is made of copper. Correct. Yes. And uh, the other side, it's a, an attachment made of plastic. Yeah. And so, Polymer, yeah, so uh, a hammer. <laughs> I'm also holding here a park tool just... It's a uh, HMR8 if you want to look it up online. And it's just a steel hammer with a, a plastic front end. It's, it's inexpensive, and it does the job of hitting things. Uh, this one is expensive, also does that job, but it does it a little bit in a you know, finer quality. So on one side, yeah, John said, um, I have a, it's a piece of copper. This is hand-turned by Zach as well, and it threads into the titanium 
uh, frame of the hammer. Mm -hmm. And that is designed to be a soft material so that you don't mar uh, aluminum <coughs> or another, another material that you may be you know, hitting with this, like bikes are made out of aluminum and carbon and sometimes steel. And you just want to be able to hit it and not, um, severely damage that part. So I would never, ever endeavor to hit any part of any of my bicycles I, with a hammer. I have accidentally, I've, I have not been paying attention and hit something and got a glancing blow and then hit another part of my bike because I wasn't, oh. uh, so you get, it is, as much as people think it's not a precision instrument, there's <laughs> a lot of things that you can do uh, with a hammer that you you know uh, you need. So, um, as a as a, a mechanic, a professional mechanic in the field, uh, you know this is not required at at all by any means. But um, it, it's kind of like you think you, you know you've made it, or maybe it's just a maybe it's just me being being me. That's like I feel like I made it when I got my titanium hammer. I I was. I checked all the boxes. Dan I, has I, arrived. I got my professional <clears throat> card, I guess. Uh, that, and, okay, and, so w what does that cost? Um, I'll tell if you, you probably If you go to the Acoustic Cycles <laughs> website I'll and you want to buy this. So, so Zach made this for me. Uh, I was lucky enough to be one of the first batches ever that he produced. Um, and so I did not pay what the, the, retailing, the retail price is. However... Course not. It, I think they start about three hundred to three hundred and fifty dollars yeah. is where they start. Um, it and that looks is like it's worth the, it. It is worth it. Uh, you know, like it's also just one of those things. Like it's an heirloom item; it will be forever, <laughs> and I will cherish it and love it for what it is. There's a lot of people that are uh, screaming at their um, iPad, <laughs> their at their phone, saying, "Why would you spend that much money on a hammer?" But I, it's one of those things. You hold it, and it just feels good and and it feels uh, there's something about having like a, a expensive item that's typically used to drive a nail or break something. And sure. I just love it. Sure. Well, it's even got a bike. Uh, the yeah. handle on it is a bike grip. It's an ODI ruffian for you bike nerds out okay. there. Um, the, one of the finest uh, bike grips uh, on the planet. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if you want to see it, check out the show notes. Yeah, we've got we got a picture of it in the show notes. Okay. Now, speaking of Zach and hammers, he doesn't just build hammers. He builds entire bicycles. Very, very nice bicycles. And you had a chance to talk with Zach. Yep, we're going to that right now. And welcome to the Rider Up podcast. My name is Dan Lucas. I'm one of the hosts. John's not with me today, but I do have a buddy of mine. His name is Zach Geller. He is the owner and operator of Acoustic Cycles in Pine, Colorado. Zach, how you doing, man? Good, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it you coming on. Um, we've been friends for a while. Um, we're friends through our mutual buddy Jake and his wife Janine. Um, and you have you were um, here in the Roanoke kind of area. You were in Blacksburg, I think, at uh, in engineering school. Is that correct? At Virginia yep, that's Tech. Right. Yep, yep. I was at uh, yeah Virginia Tech, uh, 2010, 2012. So uh, worked out. We got to ride a little bit together when I was out there. Yeah, it was great. Um, got to ride a little bit. We uh, we competed. One of my favorite memories is competing at Snowshoe in the Chumalungma um, as Team America. Uh, still, I still have that shirt, that like goofy airbrush American in, like eagle and flag T-shirt. Um, and uh, so we rode we rode some bikes. It was a good time. Uh, but you have since moved on. Uh, you're in Colorado now, and you're making bikes uh, handmade, right? Correct. Yeah, I uh, I really. Um... You know, I love bikes and decided to take it to another level and 
just recently, well, last January, um, took this this bike make, making thing full time, um, and and quit my career I'd been doing for for ten years or so um, that I went to school for. Um, um, I went to grad school for at Virginia Tech, and then um, yeah, like you said, Jake, uh, our mutual friend who I used to work at a bike shop with in Boulder, um, hooked us up, and um, yeah, that was probably. That was a while ago. That was like in 2010. So it's, yeah, it had to have been, yeah, quite, quite a, quite a bit ago. Um, and there's been a lot of time in between now you said, yeah, like you said, last January, you decided to just get into this thing. What's like, what was the point that you decided to take this leap of faith and just build bikes for a living? Like, was it, you know, was it, you, you know, not getting any younger, uh, it, you, people were, asking for it like what was it the catalyst to like, get you to do it um to just make that leap uh well it's definitely a, a few different factors um i i had been building bikes on the side um I, I was a project manager in construction so i was doing that full time um since i left grad school and was doing this again on the side and and a few different factors i just i wasn't really happy in my career um it just wasn't something that gave me a lot of satisfaction um i got a lot more fun and a lot more interest on my, my, you know, my side passion, which was building bikes. Um, and my wife and I, uh, well, she, she's always been my number one cheerleader. She, she was trying to get me to quit my, uh, construction career for a long time just to do this full time. Um, and I'm definitely a little more risk averse than she is. So it took, it took some convincing, <laughs> but, um, that was a big part. She, she, you know, she wanted me to do something I was happy doing and, um, the leap definitely was easier because of her and because um, it's something I'm really interested in. And, and um, you know, ma making that leap is definitely tough, um, especially when you've been doing something for, you know, 10 plus years. And, and I knew it, you know, fairly well. And, and it, there was a lot of security in that, but um, I definitely didn't, you know, I didn't want to talk about construction when I went home and um, I was always talking <laughs> about bikes. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I had made a decision, um, kind of five years before I made the leap last year that I was going to teach myself to weld. Um, so I, I picked up some projects and, and slowly got into, you know, MIG welding and then TIG welding. Um, and then, you know, started making some bikes again on the side and it, it was a lot of fun and, and I wanted to learn more and more. And then finally, um, another, another big push was we, we had a kid, um, our, our first kid, Micah, uh, about 10 months ago and construction took up a lot of my time. I, I was working yeah. 12, 14, 14 hour days, uh, for something I really didn't like. And I would, would come home and be kind of angry about it. And, um, <laughs> it was good money, but it just really wasn't worth it for, you know, my mental health, my physical health, um, our, my, you know, my relationships. Um, and I want to be around for this kid when, uh, as he grows up, I didn't want to just be around, uh, for him on weekends. So, um, yeah, that was, that was also a big part. Um, and it's been really cool. Um, I, I quit right before he was born. So I got to, um, I got to be around to, to really help raise him in the early stages. And, um, you know, he's, he's at home with me and my wife, we both work from home. Um, so we have like a pretty good quality of life right now. And, and, and awesome. yeah, again, I, I, I didn't want to make this thing that we just kind of didn't see. So, um, that was another big push to, to do something on our own. That's awesome. Uh, I love a, like a good story around, uh, a passion and it sounds like that 
honestly following your goals and your dreams were, I mean, that got you to where you wanted to be professionally, but it also <laughs> checked all the boxes, like your quality, yeah, your quality of life and your, um, the, the quality of your work, I think, um, it, it all lines up. It's pretty awesome. And yeah, I mean, everybody working from home, I, I was able to be, um, be home a lot of when my daughter, my second daughter, not my first daughter, but my second one was born, I was able to be home a lot. Um, and so I can absolutely see the, um, the benefit of, of being there and being present for that part, you know, that time in their life is pretty cool. Um, but, um, that's, that's neat. I, I, um, I want to move on though. And I want to ask you, what was the first bike that you made? And (laughs) are you still proud of it? Or is, is there things that, you wish you could have done different or is it like, uh, you know, where is it? Is, is somebody still riding it? Are you riding it? So the, the technically the first frame I ever did was at, was at a class. Um, I took a class with brew bikes in, um, in Boone, North Carolina. So okay. not, not that, far, not that far from you. Um, yeah. but I built, I built a fat bike in his class, um, over a week. Um, it uh it has what like a, i think it's like a 70 degree head tube angle and it's like a it's like uh i forget what the seat tube is but it's like totally not my style so i hung yeah. that one up pretty pretty quick um and actually my so my first on my own bike was a fat bike um that has a 64 degree head angle uh much more tra- trail geometry yeah um, it's, it's actually a ton of fun um, i still have it it's it's my personal bike um, the first couple bikes were, were mine. Um, you know, I didn't want to yeah. make anyone else be the, be the test dummies for the first ones, except myself. <laughs> yep. So, um, I still ride the the first bikes I made. Um, the, awesome. I think that, yeah. So technically the first one on my own was a fat bike. I still ride it. Um, I'm looking at it right now. And then the next bike was a trail bike. Um, and I, I've ridden that one for about four seasons and I've, I've beat the hell out of it. And it, um, it's still going strong. I've, I've, you know, done some s- stupid 10 foot drops on it and it's been fine. Um, <laughs> and we're talking yeah, about just, a hard tail too. It's a hard tail. Yep. 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 Um, hard, hard tail. 20. Hard tail. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's some, that's some big moves for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to make sure I, I tested the welds out. Um, and actually, so when I, when I got back from the class with brew, um, I sold my last full suspension bike. I used to, you know, I had a, I had a specialized demo. I used to have, um, my last full suspension bike was a specialized, uh, Stumpy Eva, which was a great bike. Yep. Um, but I, but I sold it right when I got back from that class and I said, I would not ride a full suspension again until I made one. So okay. for three, so for a solid three seasons, I only rolled, rode my hardtails. Um, and then I just finished, well, last, um, I took a bike last November to Philly bike expo. Um, and that I've been riding that full suspension since, um, and it's, yeah, it's pretty cool to be back on a, on a full squish. Yeah. It's that it's really cool to see. And it's, a, um, so correct me if I'm wrong. That's a steel bike. Um, correct. what kind of steel are you using? Uh, it's a, it's, uh, 41 30. And then, um, most of my connection points are all, uh, 17, four stainless. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, if you are listening to this, I highly recommend you go to Zach's, um, Instagram profile to acoustic cycles. Um, we'll share it in the show notes and look at, um, his bike. It's beautiful. It's yellow and purple. Purple is, uh, my personal favorite color. And, uh, it's just, it's incredible. And I remember seeing this on pink bike and looking at it and then realizing whose it was and it. Uh, it blew me away. 
to see you, like, you know, see somebody uh, I know uh, making something at this level uh, on, you know, being picked up by a publication, uh, you know, the largest mountain biking website in the world, um, which was, was pretty cool. Um, so I know you had told me this might let the cat out of the bag. You're working on a V2 of that same full suspension. Is that correct? Um, yeah, well, well, thanks for the kind words first off, but yep. Um, so that was, that was version one, just a, a prototype. I just, you know, I really wanted to get something, um, in metal and, and working and actually get to riding it. Um, and through the whole process, I learned a ton and, and I had a ton of people reach out to me, um, just across the industry, um, like old friends, colleagues, um, and, and some guys who are really deep in the industry who have kind of graciously offered to help um, in any way they can, if I want to try to tweak the design, which, which I do. And, and um, you know, I'm starting, to, I'm making a version two that's going to get much more into um, FEA, finite element analysis, and just making sure I have all my forces in the correct places. And you mm-hmm. know, that means a lot of things. And I may introduce some 3D printed uh, metals in here. Wow. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm just trying to make, um, there's, I have, a, I have a lot of notes from the first version. Um, largely I want to, I want to lighten everything up. Um, I want to get a, um, I'm going to put a different shock on there. Um, a lot of different things. I'll, I'll make the production a little bit easier. Um, mm-hmm. cause I, ideally I would like to, uh, more mass, not mass produce this, but you know, make some kind of quantities. Um, yeah. Okay. For sale. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited and, and, um, I will be at the, uh, there's a, another big bike show that just started in uh, Portland that's happening at the end of August this year that I, I hope to bring one or two of the version two uh, full suspension awesome. to that show. Okay, cool. So for us bike geeks out there that understand the geometry and want to know all the details, can you give us a quick rundown of what that bike looks like as far as its geometry? For version two? Uh, well, you can go with version one. We'll let version two be a surprise. Everybody's going to have to uh, do some looking it up to, to find out what, it, what it's going to be. <laughs> well, as far as geometry, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really liking what we did with the version uh, version one. It's it's pretty on par with um, with kind of the modern geometry that a lot of people are writing these days. Um, I looked into like a little bit more of like some of the radical things that people are doing. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I think you know, trying new things and, and some of the stuff like, you know, um, you know, Geometron is doing, or, um, yep. trying to think of us, P- Peter Verdone is a, is a bike designer. He's been doing a lot of radical things with, with hardtails. Um, okay. I think there's some very cool stuff, but it is hard. You want to bridge that gap of something that can kind of scratch the itch of the masses versus something that is so radical. You can't really market or sell yet. Yeah, have you seen the um, uh, seen the Grim Donut? You familiar with the Grim Donut on Pink Bike? Uh, I am familiar with the Grim Donut. Yep. Yeah, um, make I your own version. It's supposed to be fast. I mean, it looks cool, but <laughs> I mean, how how many of those old? I'm just kidding. They didn't. They didn't put them. <laughs> yeah, touche, touche. Um, but no, I I think there's a balance of of trying. Um, you know, I, I want to make uh, a bike that's comfortable to pedal, but is more um more adapt for the downhill. Um, cause I, yeah. I, I ride up for the down. So, um, I definitely want something that's, that's the most downhill capable, but still isn't, 
isn't a you know a boat anchor going uphill and still climbs fairly well. Right. Um, and and with all the with all of the design software that's available to, to to almost anyone these days, you can really play with the kinematics to make sure you have a really good climbing, um, really good climbing you know downhill machine that that we couldn't do ten years ago. Right. Um, and and even so, the version one prototype I'm making now, um, I can pull up the dimensions or the, the geometry, but yeah, um, sure. what, you know, what's it, your, it, uh, what's your travel on the front and rear? So it's a, it's a one sixty one sixty. Um, okay. and I think for version two, I'm actually going to reduce the rear to one fifty. Okay. Uh, once one sixty with, with 29 inch wheels just feels like a lot. Um, yeah, at absolutely. least for the, for the riding that we're, that most people are doing like around our area on the front range. Um, mm -hmm. it just, it just feels like a, it, it's a burly bike. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun, um, especially with the high pivot. Um, it's a lot of fun on the downhills. Um, I just think for most, for what most people are doing, um, it's a little overbiked. Um, so we're going to reduce that a little bit. Um, so as, as I have it now, I'm, I'm about a 482 reach. Um, okay. this yep. would be kind of a, a, a large size frame. Yep. Um, stack is about 635 um again on version one i'm running a a, a zeb um i think on version two i might try out the ultimate or sorry okay um the lyric the lyric, the lyric um, yep um because right now i'm about 41 pounds on the prototype but i'm running uh the zeb with a coil conversion i'm running a coil on the rear um yeah and i just want i went really overbuilt on on most of the actual frame so yep. um through this new design um and really analyzing my forces uh, i'm going to try to reduce where i can and, and really lighten that thing up okay um, so i i've heard really good things about the new uh buttercups um and i, I didn't give them a chance on the zeb i just took them right out and, and did a coil conversion so i think we're <laughs> going to try out um still coil rear um but do the the new lyric on the front um to help lighten us up um so 77 degree uh seat tube angle Okay. Um, wow. I might All right. tweak, I might tweak that a half a degree, um, either more or less. Um, okay. I've, I've been, I've been pretty happy with how that, it, that helps with climbing right now. Yeah. It's um, a pretty steep, uh, pretty steep seat tube that, but that's yeah. fantastic. I, I, that's probably a, a, at least a degree more than a lot of, you know, major manufacturers are doing right now. Yeah. And, and if you, if you look at a lot of like the, the high pivot frames, the mass, the mm -hmm. mass produced 77, I, I would 76, 77 is about the standard right now, but yeah, so it could be a, a degree more than, than some yeah. of the other guys. Yeah. Um, but it's also helping me to really, um, get that frame out of the way of the rear tire. Right. Yeah. Um, and then 63 and a half degree head tube angle. Oh um, my man. Which, All right. <laughs> which might be a little steep for some. Um, so I could pull it back a little bit, but again, I'm, I'm, I haven't found, I mean, between 63, three and a half and 64, I would really, I would really question if you could feel that difference. Yeah. Um, I'm, um, I'm with you on that. I've like, as a, another big bike rider and John will probably be rolling his ass while he's listening to this, but as another big <laughs> bike rider, 63 and a half, 64 and a half, that degree, anywhere it lands in that area, that's the head tube angle I'm looking for. Um, right. I'm currently riding a stumpy Evo myself, like 2020. Three, two, three uh, model, and I have it set in the sixty-three point five, um, okay. and it's a one sixty-one fifty bike, and it's uh, it's it's great. Obviously, they they make a good product. They have a huge R and D lab, um, but you're, it sounds like your geo is is sitting pretty spot on. Like 
uh, you and I are about the same size. I think we ride the same stuff. So uh, maybe one day I'll be able to throw a leg over one of your rigs. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd, I'd love some, some feedback if you want to come out and ride this thing. Oh, man, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll find a way out <laughs> to find Colorado. <laughs> um, okay. Man, I, I wanted to ask you, too, like, I, I'm, I'm, once again, if you're listening to this, go ahead and go to Zach's uh, Instagram page and take a look at some of the, these bikes, especially the full suspension. Um, that gets me excited when I wasn't expecting, expecting that when I saw it. Um, and I'm a big fan of steel, um, you know, steel framed bikes too. They, they ride a little bit different. They're a little softer than aluminum and, uh, you don't <laughs> have to worry quite as much as carbon. So, um, mm. you know, you do have a little bit of a weight penalty sometimes of what you're talking about, but it's exciting to see where everybody, especially, you know, uh, you guys like small boutique frame builders are pushing it and uh, you know, what you're able to do, um, I wanted to ask you too, like that bike is steel, uh, and I've seen that you're also dabbling in titanium. Um, is that on the radar for the future? Like, are we going to see anything in 2023 that's some titanium? Um, definitely some hardtails coming through. Um, yep. I have had a, I've had a, I'm about to finish um, a titanium hardtail um, in the next few days that I'll send to paint, and so I'll, I'll post some pictures of it soon. Um, okay. I have had, I have had a people, a few people reach out to see if they could, if I could make the prototype full suspension in titanium, um, which is not out of the realm. It, it probably would be a while before I did that. Um, it, it, titanium definitely has a different, um, reacts differently than steel does. So I would have to make some tweaks. Um, and also the parts I get machined in stainless you know, tend to skyrocket once you do titanium. Titanium is much harder yeah. to machine. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can print in titanium. Um, so if I do switch to some 3D printed parts, that wouldn't really be an issue, but um, it just definitely, it definitely drives the price up. And um, you would have a weight savings and, you know, rust isn't an issue with titanium, um, but, you know, titanium is very stiff. And yeah, yeah there, there would just be some, some, probably some major structural considerations, just switching yep. the tie. It's, it's, it's not as easy as just switching out the material, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but like you said, steel, steel has a really awesome feel to it. Um, yeah. Kind of unlike any, any other material that's being used and, and aluminum and carbon, they're, they're great materials. They're very, they're very stiff, um, yep. which is why they're used uh, Again, steel has some give to it, but that creates a lot of, um, a lot of fun and coming out of the corners and, even like I've been riding this hardtail for again, four seasons now, and I've ridden every trail I've ever ridden on, on a full suspension. And, you know, it definitely takes a little more of a toll on your back, just being a hardtail, but, um, the steel definitely takes a ton of, um, or helps dampen a lot of, a lot of the stuff you're feeling. Um, and I, I don't think I would be able to do that on a carbon or aluminum frame. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, uh, I do have a steel hardtail, um, and I love it dearly. I ride it. A lot, and I, I try to ride it on it. I do the, you know, do the same thing. Ride it on on all the big, um, big bike lines, and uh, it's shocking, like what you can, what you can do, and how, you know, where it can take you, like through roots and stuff. You don't think a hardtail would ride that well, but the right material and you know the right geometry will sell you through a lot of stuff. Um, sure. I did want to, um, I did want to ask. Now, speaking of titanium, we're talking about some of the bikes. Uh, you make titanium hammers and, um, I have bragged about it before I brag about it to most of my mechanic friends, 
but I <laughs> I own one of your hammers, uh, one of the first batches of titanium hammers that you made. And a lot of people may not understand the uh, allure of a titanium hammer, um, but I always tell everybody, I feel like I made it when I got my titanium hammer. I was like, I <laughs> professional mechanic stamp now uh, because I, I have this. Um, what what got you into wanting to do a tool like that? Is there anything? I mean, I know you're a tool head. And once again, if you follow Zach's Instagram, like a lot of his, uh, uh, you'll do stories and stuff and it'll be the the creative like storage or whatever, your 3D printing things to like put all your, you know, th- or designing something and 3D printing it to, to help you. Um, like what made you want to do the, the uh the hammer is that is is there a story behind it uh so um i was getting into just practicing welding titanium um and so i had a ton of scrap titanium joints that i welded together and and you know then i kind of thought why don't i just start making hammers as as essentially just practice for welding titanium Mm -hmm. um and and then I, i you know i took it a little further and got a little carried away with like the head design um, so it has a, you know, a one and a, one and a quarter inch Lixie, uh, sorry, one and a half inch Lixie replaceable, um, urea, urethane face. And then I step it down to one and a quarter inch, um, custom, uh, copper face. So I, I couldn't just like leave it alone, which is the case on most <laughs> things. So I, uh, yeah. the, these practice hammers kind of got a little crazier than I intended. And, and again, then I decided to make copper faces to go along with them and, um, they, they kind of just started out as a, as a fun thing to make for friends. And then, um, I, I forget even who, who started sharing it on Instagram, but then I got a, I had, you know, 50 people reaching out to me and, and, you know, I said, I'll, I'll make more, but they're going to be pricey. Titanium's not cheap. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I made a bunch more and then, and then we started analyzing them and with, with cool different effects and, um, yeah, they kind of took off. I even had, a. Uh, uh, Jesse James reached out to me. Um, oh my to, gosh! To to yeah, buy the, one. So the he, Jesse he has James one. of uh, of uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Orange Monster Garage. No, Monster Garage. West Coast yeah. Cho- and West Coast Choppers. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he reached out to me, and, and his I forget what his Instagram handle was. Um, I, I just thought he was like a normal guy, and he's like, "Hey, can I get one of these? You know, a raw one?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll have some more in a few weeks if if you're interested." And then once once we've once I got it ready and I messaged him again, then I figured out it was Jesse James. I was like, Oh, holy crap. So a little, st- a little starstruck now. <laughs> I mean, it was cool. I, I grew up watching, you know, monster garage was, Heck, was like the show yeah. to watch. I, you know, I, I was wondering to see how stuff was made. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool so to he, see. So, and, so Jesse has one of your hammers. He does. Yep. That's incredible. <laughs> so yeah, I think I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how many we've sold probably, you know, 30 or 40 of them. And, and I have, I have material. I'm going to do another batch soon. Um, and we're going to do some pretty cool things. I have a, I have a, um, a guy out in Pennsylvania, t- titanium finishing. If mm-hmm. you've, um, they're the ones that just did that bike for Seth, um, Seth bike hacks. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. His titanium hardtail. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the guys that works there, he's going to do some, uh, Cerakote, uh, we're going to do a batch of Cerakote hammers. Oh, uh, very and cool. And I'm giving him artistic freedom to do whatever he wants. So there should be some cool stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, there'll be a picture of my personal hammer in the show notes. Um, 
like I said, I like to th- I like to tell everybody that I had one of the first batch of uh, Zach's hammers. Uh, so myself and my our, our buddy Jake, who we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we have uh, we have uh, two of Zach's hammers. So it's one of my favorite tools. I love a good tool. I'm a big. I love some Wera hex keys. I love Nipex uh, hand tools. I've talked about those before. Um, you know, any any tool head's gonna have a snap on um, something here or there, but. Uh, the the hammer is to me is one of those uh, special tools, and I'm proud to have that one in my collection. Oh well, I appreciate it, and and uh, I'm glad you're still using it. And uh, let me know if you if you have any tips or recommendations for the next batch that you want to see. Let me know. Okay, can do. Um, I have a my my uh, joke is that I only hit things that's that are worth uh, two thousand dollars or more with this hammer. I have two <laughs> hammers for hitting cheap stuff. This is my expensive <laughs> hammer, and I only hit fancy things with it. Um, but I, I think um, it was really awesome to talk to you. I have one more question before I let you go. Um, I appreciate the time. And this one's probably one of my favorite questions to ask people. It's the most important one to me out of the whole interview. And, um, and so here it is. Uh, let's say that you are in a room, that you're locked in a room uh, with your mortal enemy, whoever that may be. And uh, <laughs> you have a choice between uh, a pedal wrench, like the standard park tool pedal wrench, or a uh, like a, a pick, you know, like a a park tool pick or like a craftsman pick that you would use to like pop o rings out. Um, and uh, it's a fight to the death. Which one are you choosing? Oh, definitely the pedal wrench. The pedal wrench. Your pedal wrench, guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to tell you what my what my personal feelings are. I'm collecting all the data I can, and. Uh, <laughs> And then I'm going to put out a spreadsheet when I get uh, all, all this data out to the public. Um, Cause it's a, it's a question that people need to, you know, we need to have an answer for, I think it's one of our, the, a question <laughs> for modern times. Anyway, Zach, uh, well, I don't, uh, talking to you, man, go ahead. Uh, I don't like needles and a pick's kind of like a needle to me. So I, I wouldn't want to <laughs> have that turned on me. <laughs> I fully understand. That's my, that's my thinking. This is a debate we have in the shop. Like it, it happens probably every couple of days. We'll go about it again when somebody picks the pedal wrench up. So anyway, um, once again, Zach, uh, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to chat with me. And uh, I hope everybody out there listening to this um, enjoyed hearing about Zach. If you want to follow more, once again, Instagram, um, Zach, you also got a website. It's acousticcycles.com. Hit me up on, a, on either Instagram or, or our website um, is great. If you are interested in a sweet custom titanium hammer, a fancy titanium hardtail, or who knows, maybe you want a steel full suspension bike. Um, like that, the pictures of Zach's work speak for themselves. Uh, check it out. And uh, if you have a question, obviously hit us up um, at ratteruppod at gmail.com. Um, and uh, if you have questions about steel or titanium or things like that, we'll probably point you in Zach's direction. Um, but if you have other questions, ask us there. Uh, thank you, Zach, once again. This is Dan no, for the Ratter Up Podcast. You guys have a great day. So glad to hear about everything is Zach that Zach is doing, and we want to thank him for appearing here on the Rider Up podcast. Yeah, it was fun uh, talking to him, but uh, I'm here talking to you right now, and uh, I'm curious. You were uh, saying before we got on the show something about like you've been riding your road bike. I have. I I, I don't re- necessarily approve of, but I do want to hear about it. You don't even understand why anybody <laughs> would want to do that. I did not. I did all not that lycra. No, I just don't get it. Lycra, no roots. <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing like that. Dan. What, what keeps you busy while you're riding on <clears throat> the road? 
I, I don't know. I, I watch my heart rate. I, I don't know what it is. I was looking at the Boy. trees. that we have, bloom, <laughs> we have flowering trees blooming here. The daffodils I'll give you the out. trees. The trees are pretty the trees right now. trees are gorgeous. No, a friend of mine, uh, and it's early in the year, so I've been working out on the Peloton a little bit here and there, but I haven't ridden for more than, say, an hour at a very, very low intensity. But uh, a friend of mine celebrated a birthday. Uh, one of the things we like to do around here is ride your age in miles on your Ooh. birthday. Okay. Uh, but he's 58, and none of us was in shape, so we said, let's do a metric 58. <laughs> so we did like mid, I think it was like 36 miles. But okay. It, it, had, uh, it had like 2,000 feet of climbing. All right, Stout 36. All Stout right. 36. So we, we started at Parkway Brewing in um, as Salem. As you do. All as, right. You know, um, and we rode out a, a, a road that a lot of people locally will know, but if you come visit, you're going to want to find it. It's Bradshaw yeah, Road. Yeah, I know Bradshaw. And so it, it starts out with uh, about an eight-mile gradual climb and then it peaks the the landmark there is a big red mailbox so people call it the red mailbox ride but then in order to get enough miles we had to go down the backside mm. and then turn around and climb six miles mm. back up yep but then the nice thing is is we were able to to take a nice fast downhill most of the way back to the brewery <laughs> where we enjoyed uh, music by blue mule and some charcuterie and you know that it was just a great time some some fellowship and some razzing and of course and the guy alan whose birthday it was none of us can keep up with him so <clears throat> he graciously waited for us that's so, nice yeah but so it was just good to get out nice to be on the bike uh that distance and that pace and that amount of climbing this early in the season was a challenge, and when I went to bed that night, my legs were twitching, and I knew that I had been out there. But it's a, it's a, that's I loved a good, it. That's I loved a, yeah, it. that's a good feeling when your legs are that tired. Yeah. You usually sleep pretty good. Right. Yeah. And if you follow me on uh, on Strava, you can check out the profile of that course. But right. uh, Bradshaw's right. nice because it's that long, gradual 4 to 6% climb, mo more 4 than 6. Mm -hmm. But you're climbing for a long time. Yeah. A long time. So it's good. You know, the charcuterie, um, the music, I could get into that end of it, but the in-between, the, the, the first part of that story wasn't really getting me very interested. <laughs> I'll right. be honest. There's no roots. There's <clears throat> nothing exciting to see. I get it. I get it. Do, do it. Do it for the Ravens' roost when you get back <laughs> to the, the, yeah, the dark beer. When you get when you get back to the brewery. Well, Dan, this has been another great podcast. Uh, great, great guests, and it's just nice to be able to talk about bike riding.